Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. For nine years, the city has been talking about the solution to a problem of their own making. How to get land owned by the city and usually carrying serious tax debt back into the hands of tax-paying homeowners. You guessed it, we are talking about the land bank and why it's really never worked out. It's Tuesday, September 5th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. I'm with John Moss, the co-editor of the Pittsburgh Union Progress, who is on strike from the Post-Gazette. John, welcome to CityCast. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me here. So glad to have you. Um, I feel like with conversations like this, we usually ask something like, what is this thing? But with the land bank, it's kind of hard to even answer that question. Um, But I would love for you to give it a shot. Let's pretend that I am in third grade. (laughs) Well, the land bank, it starts off with a simple idea that Pittsburgh at one point was home to twice the number of people that actually live here. Mm-hmm. The idea with the land bank is you have property that's out there, homes, structures, just vacant lots um, that may, in some cases, the owner may have passed away. The owner may not live here. There may be tax debt on the property. The idea is that the land bank can go in, scoop up those properties, and on top of that, any properties already owned by the city or different agencies, and can clean off the tax debt. Um and then try and get the property off to a new owner so it can be used again. If everything were going right, and if it were, we wouldn't be talking, what would be the benefit of acquiring a home through a land bank, at least for homeowners? Um, like, what, what's, the, what's the good thing for you and I as Pittsburghers? So one of the things about the land bank is that unlike uh, sales through the regular city process, it does not have to go to the highest bidder. So just because you have the most amount of money does not mean you end up with the property. The land bank has a scoring system. So, uh, you know, if someone who maybe is a first time home buyer, they may not have as much money, they could potentially beat out someone with more resources to buy a home, buy a structure, buy a lot. Yeah, well, and it's existed for nine years, as you reported, but it just sold its first few properties this summer. There was one in Mount Washington, a few in Hazelwood. What's been holding this thing back? One of the biggest issues is that, in theory, it sort of sounds simple, right? The land bank takes (laughs) land and then it sells land. It's the taking part, I think, is like the hardest. It's the taking part. It this is ultimately a, and actually a very political thing. Well, what land gets taken in? How does it get redistributed? Who gets it? How does that process work? Is there public accountability if residents are unhappy about how the property may be getting used? So, I mean, just now, 
the city is beginning to sign some of these contracts um, that need to be signed in order to, for example, transfer land from the city's inventory of roughly 13,000 properties to the land bank. And those have been mostly under the umbrella of the Urban Redevelopment Authority, the URA. Yes, that's correct. And that's the other thing. It's complicated because, well, the land bank technically only actually has two people, um, but it's housed at the URA so that way it can tap into the URA sort of greater resources because they do property transfers also and they do different projects. So the idea sort of was that they might be able to help. Obviously, the URA has its own uh, land Yeah. Yeah. Which is complicated. I mean, how would you describe that? Like the difference between what the URA does and what the land bank is tasked with doing? Um, Because as you said, like there's thousands of these properties that are just sitting in limbo. They have tax debt. No one like they're not contributing to the tax base. So it puts a bigger burden on you and I. Like, why are they in two different buckets? Yeah, it's sort of it's a matter of sort of size is how I like to think about it. You have the URA, which usually it handles large, large projects. URA often will take a bunch of parcels, a bunch of properties, sort of merge them together and hand them off in a package to someone maybe to build a large apartment complex or something like that. With the land bank could do that, but it's more suited to just single properties, like a single home or a single structure, um, as opposed to sort of these larger scale projects that the URA does. I mean, I'm going to ask the silly question. Did we need another separate government body for this, do you think? Like, couldn't we have used the URA to do the same thing, but maybe just made it like a different division? Or is that what we already have? So um, the main reason why we have a land bank is because the land bank has special powers under state law. Um, And we're talking a a lot of, I know they got magic powers. We're talking about (laughs) tax debt, uh, which is basically you can imagine, you know, say you don't pay your Comcast bill for for 10 years, you know, the Comcast bill is still sitting there. Comcast wants its money. It's the same thing with uh, tax debt belonging to one of the three taxing bodies is what they're called, uh, which is the city, the city schools and the county. And the land bank has special powers under state law that it can clear that debt faster. But one of the things is in order to clear that debt faster, there needs to be an agreement between the land bank and these three taxing bodies about how exactly that debt is going to be clear. Um, so you have this sort of situation where it's sort of like you have a magic wand, but the magic wand is still in the box because <laughs> you can't agree with people about opening the box and using the magic wand and how it's going to work. So yeah, it's yeah. complicated. <laughs> Always. Um, Well, and now the city says this summer that they're going to start moving at a faster clip. Um, I know we're going to go back to those problems, but what do you think is making the difference that suddenly there is, I guess, a little more renewed hope that this whole thing is even possible? Sure. I think one of the things is that the land bank has a new leader, Sally Stadelman, who's been in city government for some time. She has some of those connections. Again, the land bank, it's a very collaborative thing. The land bank can never do anything on its own. There's always someone or multiple someones that need to be involved in order for something to happen. And she has some of those connections by being in government for a certain amount of time. The other thing is that the city still has some of its COVID-19 stimulus money from the federal government. The land bank uh, is meant to get some of that money, and that can help to fuel some of these uh, things that we're talking about that it could be doing. Yeah, but I saw that that account for like it was $10 million to start and they keep taking money out of it. Like, I get it. They have to spend that COVID relief money by a certain date. But is there going to be anything left for the land bank to actually use? 
So it originally was $10 million for the land bank. Now it's down to $3.5 million. I think one of the biggest things you'll hear from people in city government is that um, this COVID stimulus money, it has to all be allocated by the end of next year and it has to be spent by the end of 2026. And again, if you're a land bank that only has two staff members and the amount of time keeps shrinking you have to spend it, how much can you actually spend given that you don't have some of these agreements in place that you need to actually really get to work? So it's sort of this sort of chicken and the egg, multiple chickens and multiple eggs and all this stuff. It's, it gets complicated, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, once these contracts hopefully get signed, then the land bank will have its money and the land bank can spend the money and it can get to work. Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins and so will everyone else there be playful be imaginative explore your magical realm because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress you must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum its art its education and all of its community outreach initiatives get your tickets now to the 25th mattress factory garden party they are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. So this agreement that everybody has to sign, um, there's, I think, two of them, right? There's the tri-party agreement with the Urban Redevelopment Authority about how they might start transferring some of those 13,000 properties. And then there's the taxing one for the county, the city, and the school district all sort of shake hands and say like, okay, we'll swallow debt if that means that someone gets to start paying taxes again. Yes, correct. Um, And then I saw that there was also a new state law that's hopefully going to make this happen a little bit faster with the sheriff sales. Can you explain that a little bit? What's happening is that the land bank beginning at the start of September has access to the sheriff sale. um, And as part of this change in state law, the land bank has a priority bid at the sheriff's sale, meaning that if the land bank wants a given property and it raises its hand and it says, we want to buy this, then the land bank will get it, period. There's no one that can outbid or outpace the the land bank with this priority bid power that would be taking effect. One of the issues, though, is that in order to buy a property at a sheriff's sale, technically, you have to pay off all the tax debt. And so until there's an agreement between the city, the city schools, the county, and the land bank about how to, how to handle tax debt, in some cases, there's thousands and thousands of dollars of tax debt on these properties, and it wouldn't yeah. really make sense for the land bank to spend its money to pay off the debt and buy the property. So it's sort of like they have this other magic wand that they can't use until this other agreement is reached. So. It's a veritable Ollivanders. Uh, I guess back to the land bank itself, could the city solve some of this by using some of the $3.5 million to, you know, maybe hire another human or two to help out? 
Well, that's the thing is that that funding has an expiration date on it. So if you use it for something, you know, that's maybe long term, you may only have funding for it short term. And that's part of the thing also is that the city, one thing that's not talked a whole lot about is that the city only got out of Act 47 five years ago, Mm -hmm. um, five, six years ago. So a lot of the stuff like the land bank, the land bank's been around for some time, but there may not have been money to fund it because the city was in Act 47, which basically means it was like sort of broke. Yeah, it's the state's uh, procedure to keep a city from going bankrupt. And that's much more complicated. I invite you to Google it, but we'll put a little explainer in the show notes. Yeah. And again, it sort of it gets complicated because you have these things that in theory, the land bank is a great long term investment for the city, right? Because one of the city's largest sources of revenue is property tax. And if you have property that's not generating tax and that's money that the city's missing out on. So for money you put into the land bank, it ends up being, again, for like a long-term investment. If you get a family into a home and they start paying property tax on that home that was previously sitting vacant, then that's new money for the city to go hire cops or go buy new fire trucks or something, right? Um, (laughs) I love that you went straight to public safety. That's accurate. That's what they would do. I mean, that's a big discussion right now is we've got aging vehicles. You know, there's all sorts of, and again, this federal COVID-19 stimulus money is going to be running out soon. And some of the city budget is sort of floating on this money. So you have the mayor, Mayor Ed Ganey, looking for sort of new ways to bring in tax revenue to cover the budget. And certainly, I think most people would say that getting vacant properties back on the tax rolls and generating cash again for the city, I think, would certainly be part of that kind of strategy, you would think. And the land bank board meets again on September 8th. Um, I know the URA, I think it's the week after that. Um, What are you going to be watching for next? I think one of the main things is uh, sort of how are they going to spend this three and a half million dollars? There was a budget for when it was 10 million, um, but it's sort of less clear sort of what might get pared down, how that might work. And also, I mean, just what are future, we already know some of the properties that the land bank is going to be trying to acquire, but what are the other properties it's going to try and acquire? Whatever it takes and it has to do maintenance on it. So that's why I think they're starting off with some of these community gardens. But I mean, I think me and other sort of observers of this are, okay, well, how soon is the first house going to start moving through? Because that's one of the big things behind the land bank is we have some of these vacant homes that we can get families into so they can be here in the city as we deal with this housing crisis. It seems like maintenance would cost an absolute fortune on some of these houses. Do they have a specific budget among that three and a half million to remediate some of these houses? Because like if it's been vacant for a long time, I can imagine it's in quite a state. That's correct. There was some discussion at one point of putting about 30000 of work into structures that they take in. But again, they're down to three and a half million. The three and a half million the land bank is getting is really half of the seven million it was getting before they cut it in half the other half is going to the ura to apparently rehabilitate structures that the ura already owns and intends to sell but again sort of if you're sending money to the ura for stuff the ura owns that's generally not homes and again i think it's sort of one again it's very political of well okay well what properties should the land bank be taking in? What should it be selling? What are the priorities? What is in, you know, what neighborhoods should it be going into? You know, it, it, it gets very complicated very quickly. And everyone has an opinion. That's politics. <laughs> John, we can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, please tell someone, rate us, leave us a nice review, and make sure you're subscribed to that Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you in soon. Did you just give me a natural in at in, in conversation? <laughs> I don't hear one on ironically very often. <laughs>